Welcome to Mature in Every Way, a study of James. I'm Renee Adelsberger. We're going to walk through this book verse by verse. For more from me, visit pedestriangod.com. Let's get started. I've been thinking about how I would finish the sentence I gave you in your homework. Consider it a great joy when... Well, it's changed depending on my stage in life. Consider it a great joy when you bring up your grade in that class you've been struggling in. Consider it a great joy when the person you like asks you to prom. Consider it a great joy when you are chosen section leader for the trumpets. Consider it a great joy when Kevin proposes to you. Consider it a great joy when all the dishes are clean and put away. Consider it a great joy when your boss gives you a bonus. My common sense does not finish that sentence with, Consider it a great joy when I experience various trials. In fact, everything that is inside of me screams against that statement. The me-centered part of my brain wants James 1-2 to say something more like, Consider it a great irritation when you face various trials. Or consider it a delay, a setback. Maybe, just possibly, I could consider it a learning experience. But never would I want to willingly consider it a joy. Welcome to the book of James. Right off the bat, James has laid down a truth that is counterintuitive to us. But our joy is the exact thing that sets us apart from non-believers. Keep in mind, joy and happiness are two different things. They sound similar, and we may occasionally use them as synonyms, but they aren't. Happiness is a fleeting feeling. It's the emotion I feel when I pull into Sonic for a slushie and realize it's half-priced. It's the smile that crosses my face when my husband makes me laugh. It's me wrapped up in a warm blanket, a bowl of popcorn in my lap, my favorite TV show on, and silence in the rest of the house. That is happiness. Joy is the confident assurance that we have that God is in control and working every detail out for our good and his glory. The word joy can be transformed into the verb rejoice. Psalm 33:20 says, We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. When we have joy, we wait on the Lord and trust. Our hope is in him. He will not fail us because he is perfect. We still grieve and feel pain. But we are able to acknowledge that the pain will bring us closer to Christ if we choose to respond well to it. We cannot always alter our circumstances, but we can control the way we respond to them. So when we face a hard time, we are supposed to consider it a great joy. Why? James continues in verse 3 to say that the testing of our faith produces endurance. Endurance is one of those concepts that I feel I'll never get. And just when I do, I realize I need more of it. This spring, I decided I was going to do 10 push-ups every evening. I realize that to many of you, 10 push-ups is nothing. And though I like to think I look fit, I have no upper body strength. Whatever I manage to pick up or carry is a feat of sheer will and determination. So... 
I got on the ground the first night to do my push-ups. I balanced on my toes, my hands went down, and up. Come on, up. Ready? Now up. Oh, I'm still waiting. Arms, are you listening? They're called push-ups. Ready? Now up. It wasn't happening. I couldn't even push myself up once. I had no endurance. So I had to take baby steps into my 10 push-ups. I reverted to do the, doing them on my knees. And even then, I couldn't do 10 in a row. So I would start with two, take a break, then two more, another break, until I finally got to 10. Each night as I got down to complete my daily push-ups, I gradually could do more in a row. I would do sets of three, then five and five. One day, without realizing it, I had done all 10 push-ups in a row. I had endured. Each evening, I decided not to give up. I put in the work. I kept furiously at it. Of course, in the context of James, we're not really referencing physical endurance of strength or stamina. We endure spiritually. When our friends mock us for our beliefs, our tendency to skip out on parties, or our desires to be at church, we endure. We keep our eyes on Christ and remember that our right relationship with Him is worth anything we might give up on earth. I don't know what trial you're enduring right now, but I do know that pressing through in faith is worth fighting for. James tells us that if we let endurance have its full effect, we will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. I don't know about you, but this is where I want to be in my walk with God. I want to be walking so closely with Him that I am fully in His will. My attitude would be that of joy. I would not immaturely be wanting things of this world. Joseph is a good example of a person who faced a difficult trial, trusted God, endured with faith and wisdom, and, in the end, maturely understood how his pain was for God's good and the salvation of many lives. After all, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers, falsely accused, imprisoned, and yet eventually became Pharaoh's right hand. He saved entire nations from starvation during the seven-year famine the land experienced. And at the end of it, when his brothers unknowingly came to Joseph begging for food, Joseph was able to say to his brothers in Genesis 50:20, "You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people." What an incredibly mature response. It feels like Joseph has every right to bitterly hold a grudge against his brothers. He's in a place of authority where he could allow them to starve, but he doesn't. He shows them the grace and love of God that has been extended to him. But how do we get to this point? Do we just wake up one day and say, Well, today's the day I'm going to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. No, of course not. Most of us are not perfect or complete because we are lacking wisdom. Just like joy and happiness are not the same, wisdom and intelligence are not the same either. You can be one of the smartest people on the face of the earth and have very little wisdom. Knowledge involves facts and statistics. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's being able to examine a situation from a different perspective and take the best course of action. We currently have a six-year-old living with us. When I remind her of a rule, she likes to sort of shake her head and say, I know, I know, with this tiny little eye roll, 
and it drives me crazy. And my new response to her has been, knowing and doing are two very different things. She knows that she's supposed to do her homework, but that doesn't mean she does it. She knows that we speak to each other with respectful words, but that doesn't mean her words have necessarily been respectful. I don't mean to pick on her. I have the same sin in my life. I know I'm supposed to love everyone around me with the love of God, but there are still these one or two people that I've harbored some pretty continual bitter thoughts against. I know my quiet time is valuable and important to my relationship with God, but sleep often tempts me to skip it. Proverbs 1.7 teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. In other words, a proper understanding that God is God and in control and that we are not is the first place to start when asking for wisdom. There's good news for all of us. We can ask God and look at verse 5. He gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. There are very few things that I own that I give to others generously and ungrudgingly. I love my stuff. I love my clothes and my food and my money. I feel like I've earned all of it and that it's mine for keeps. But God isn't like me. Isn't that a good thing? He's a perfect father who wants to provide for us. He knows that we are going to face trials. He knows we are going to need wisdom to endure the trials. So he promises us that whenever we ask for wisdom, he is going to give it to us. I used to think that wisdom was sort of like a magic eight ball. I would be facing a hard situation, ask God how to proceed, and an answer would just appear before my very eyes. Yes, Renee, do this. No, Renee, don't do that. In my experience, Wisdom is nothing like that at all. The Holy Spirit helps me examine the situation from a new perspective. He helps me sort out my emotions so that I can think more rationally. He gives me compassion for the other people involved. He reminds me of Bible verses or stories that handled similar topics. Along the way, he might even put other believers in my path to help me sort it out. And by the end, he gives me peace with the decision that's according to his will. It's probably not the decision I would have made on my own. And it's almost definitely not the decision I would have made in the spur of the moment. But it's the one that will bring him glory. Keep verses 6 through 8 in mind as you ask God for wisdom. Know confidently that God will supply you with wisdom. Don't approach him irreverently or arrogantly. I often find myself doing this when I have pretty much made up my mind without consulting God in prayer. I decide, I am going to do this no matter what. Oh, but uh, God, yeah, um, give me wisdom and bless this decision that I've made. James uses the imagery of a wave being driven and tossed by the sea. It does not have an unwavering faith in God. Rather, it is susceptible to whatever is happening around it. It allows the external circumstances to dictate its direction. This is not to be so for a believer. 
Rather, we are to be firmly anchored in Christ so that we will not be tossed around during hard times. By no means is James the first New Testament author to discuss this cycle of rejoicing and sufferings, which brings about endurance, which brings about character. In Romans 5, 3-5, Paul says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, Peter says, You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to say, Consider it a great joy when you face various trials. Lord, we thank you that you do not abandon us when we face trials. Thank you for the wisdom that you are eager to give us when we ask. Help us to turn to you as we make decisions each day. We love you so much. Amen.